Yeah, it's that time again. Welcome back to another edition of Speaking Out America. I am Jim Watkins. Good to have you here. We have a busy, busy show today. We're going to talk about, of course, the debates and my thoughts on the debates. And we'll also talk about uh, some highlights from the impeachment hearing, the inquiry, we should call it, uh, as uh, Congress tries to find or determine whether there is enough evidence to proceed with uh, an impeachment on Joe Biden's part. Then we'll talk about some other things that are in the news, some strange things out of Arizona. Uh, I was kind of dumbfounded by this, but Katie Hobbs has resigned. Effective, I guess, today. We don't know why. We'll probably find out. But it's kind of strange. The Treasury Secretary of Arizona, Lee, is now in charge. And uh, there's all kinds of speculation. But I I imagine we will get to the bottom of that and news will come out, will be forthcoming. uh, And it could break in any sec. So here's some highlights uh, from the debate, if you got a chance to see it. I thought it was uh, somewhat entertaining. Although I, I did think back and I remembered the 2020 or 2016, I think the debates were, I think the 2016 debates were probably the most entertaining uh, simply because uh, it was really the first time we all, we ever saw Trump, who we all knew he was part of our cultural her- heritage, entertainment, it's been around, everybody knew who he was. And then you see him and the way he just sort of picked off each of, one of these days I'll pull out the audio. But uh, for right now, although you don't need to look anywhere else, if you missed it, here's basically a one-minute highlight reel of what you may have missed in the Republican debate in Simi, uh, Simi Valley, California. ...behind the walls of his golf clubs and won't show up here to answer questions like all the rest of us are up here to answer. Donald Trump is missing in action. He should be on this stage tonight. He owes it to you to defend his record where they added $7.8 trillion to the debt. That set the stage for the inflation that we have now. And Joe Biden's Green New Deal agenda is good for Beijing and bad for Detroit. Unlock American energy, drill, frack, burn coal, embrace nuclear energy, put people back to work by no longer paying them more money to stay at home. Joe Biden should not be on the picket line. He should be on the southern border working to close our southern border because it is unsafe, wide open, and insecure. I favor ending birthright citizenship for the kids of illegal immigrants in this country. Well, these law enforcement officers, they arrest these people, and then they go and they're let out the very next day. So law enforcement feels like they don't, no one has their back. We have to start prosecuting according to the law. Isn't there a way that we could put all of these people into one body? Uh, Because they covered the whole range of Republican issues that are important to 
the Republican Party, and in my opinion, should be important to other people. What we do about the border, obviously priority one. It may even be too late at this point, really. I mean, with the influx of, of illegals and the cartels and the drug flow and the human trafficking, I mean, there's hundreds of thousands, perhaps even millions of people that are unaccounted for in this country right now. And over time, we saw this in Florida when we had the, uh, remember the, uh, the, the, I forget what it is, the, when Jimmy Carter allowed Fidel Castro to send his prisoners over here to Cuba or from to Florida. And then within, you know, relatively short time, a couple of years, we had a situation where drugs were flowing in, cocaine, uh, and, and just the whole mess. I mean, there are parts of Miami that were just so overrun. Uh, and it was mainly due to the Colombian cartels. And they were somehow able to get through. And, and that's what we're going to see uh, over a period of time. We'll start to see more crime in more cities, more drug abuse. We're already seeing fentanyl deaths uh, at a, in a proportionally higher number than ever before. And we know that's coming through. So we know what's what's ahead. So I think what we have to do is look at these candidates as real potentials because any one of them, I think, arguably, would be a vast improvement over anything that the Democrats have. They have Kamala Harris, Biden. They have maybe Newsom, who nobody likes, low opinion rating. Uh, Michelle Obama, Oprah Winfrey. I mean, hello. I mean, these are these are actually potentials. People who have been asked, would you consider running to replace Joe Biden if Joe Biden somehow doesn't make it? So when you look at the Republicans that are there, these are all the candidates minus Trump. Uh, while they do not have a chance to win, that really depends on how far the Democrats will go to make sure that Trump doesn't. That's really what this is about. And I was saying that to my wife last night. You may think none of these people are relevant, but they actually are. Because if the American people start to get to the point where they're just sick and tired of the turmoil with Trump, which sometimes it does appear to be that way, uh, and there is a tipping point, I, I think it's viable that we could see a Ron DeSantis or a Chris Christie. And, and I said to my wife, too, Chris Christie matters because he's the most well-liked by the Democrats. And in the general election, even though the Republicans would have to ho hold their nose, if for some miracle Chris Christie was able to get to, and look, we've seen miracles before. I mean, that's that's how Biden got into office. Nobody expected him to win. Anyway, my points are on the uh, individual candidates here, and uh, really the, the points that are probably the most accurate of what you'll hear, uh, is DeSantis did okay. His answers seemed matter-of-fact. Uh, and I think he was pretty straightforward. He spoke like, he speaks less like a politician. I know that some people might argue with me on that, but he really does sort of have that homey, hometown feel. Uh, I also think Nikki Haley didn't really have a lot of presence this time. And same with Tim Scott. They both had their moments, but overall, I, I don't know if they resonated at all. I mean, I liked, again, if you could put all of these people in one body, we'd have a super candidate. And then uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, he speaks so well. 
but my instincts tell me he's like window dressing. You know, he says all the right things. He says them just the right way. He's a gifted orator. I mean, this guy, I would definitely consider him for some uh, department head. Whoever wins, that guy's got real potential. But as president, the question is, would he buckle under pressure from the Democrats? Would he be effective? And I, I don't know if he has that yet. So we'll, we'll wait and see. And now I'll tell you something about Bergstrom, Doug Bergstrom out of North Dakota. I didn't know much about him. In fact, he made a comment earlier today, which in talking about the Biden impeachment. Uh, and the more I hear him, the more I like him, the more I, I get a sense that, you know what, he's he, he doesn't come off sensational. He, he's well, well, take a listen to what he said about the Biden impeachment hearings going on. How do you think the GOP will do this first hearing today with the witnesses they have selected to lay the groundwork? Well, first of all, Bianca, I think this is important work and it's important for the American people to get to the bottom of this. The, the evidence that points towards influence peddling uh, from President Biden when he was vice president is really shocking uh, and alarming. And of course, uh, coming from my 30 years of experience in the private sector before I became governor, uh, as a if you were an officer, a chairman, a CEO, a board member of a public company, and you were trying to benefit your own self, your own personal product, your own family with payments related to the brand of your company, uh, you know, of course, uh, you'd be tossed out. You'd be tossed out immediately. That'd be front page news in the Wall Street Journal and every other thing because it's absolutely illegal for someone to do that. So we have to hold our public officials at least to the standards that we hold people to in the private sector. I mean, this is this is absurd i would argue there's nothing that he said you could anybody could disagree with really and that's that is attractive to me bergstrom uh, on newsmax earlier this morning talking about the impeachments and what he thought and what, what he thought it was about uh and i think he comes across as authentic he's obviously a businessman probably a very successful businessman and uh, a successful north dakota governor so we'll have to keep an eye on him. I, I, I say keep an eye on him. He could actually be a good vice presidential candidate if Trump were to get to the finish line. Uh, Chris Christie did pretty good, though. I think, you know, the, Chris' problem is he's too hung up on Trump. And, and I guess that's his angle. He wants to get in there and he wants to tear Trump, pull up those uh, never-Trumpers on his side. But I don't think the Republicans in general trust him. <clears throat> Uh, but he would, like I said, he he would do a good job of getting getting the Democratic vote if he were to manage to get to the general election. What you'd have is a country of Republicans and Democrats all holding their noses, voting for Chris Christie. Uh, Pence was typical Pence, though his one advantage is that he he can ride the wave on uh, Trump successes. Uh, the question is, would he bring back the Trump policies that worked? Or would he just uh, be a small-R Republican like we've seen in, in so many instances? So those are my highlights. That's, that's basically where I stand. I, I You know, again, it's, it's not window dressing to watch these guys because depending on what happens to Joe Biden, yeah, you know, any, anything could happen. So there, are no, there, are no, there is no such thing as a sure thing as Joe Biden's. Continue speaking out America. Mark, Mark Walters is going to join us host of Armed America Radio. 
and he's got a few things to say about Governor Newsom. We'll be back. We'll be back in just a moment. Kind of an interesting day of events. Uh, so Katie Hobbs, the controversial Katie Hobbs, stepping down. If you're a, a resident of uh, Arizona, you'd be particularly interested about that. There's no real word on what happened. Kind of came out of everywhere, but uh, nowhere. Katie Hobbs stepping down temporarily as governor of Arizona last night, or uh, I guess it'll be Thursday night, State Treasurer Kimberly Yee has revealed. Yeah, Yee is a Republican, and she will serve as acting governor until mid-morning on Friday. Isn't that strange? The reason has not yet been revealed, and Hobbs has not commented on the move. In a statement on X, Yee said she was pleased to step into this role. Newsweek has reached out to the governor's office where we're getting this report. The announcement has prompted intense speculation on social media as well as mockery from, of all people, Carrie Lake, the Republican who lost to Hobbs last November. Lake has refused to concede defeat and insists the election was rigged against her despite the claims being repeatedly rejected in court. The uh, Lake campaign account posted, In fairness to Katie Hobbs, she hasn't been the real governor of Arizona for a, a lot longer than that. Uh, you know, Monica Crowley, who I know personally, uh, who was Treasury Assi- Assistant Secretary for Public Affairs under, under Trump, posted on X asking where Hobbs was, adding WTF is going on in Arizona. Erin Elizabeth, who describes herself on X as a free speech journalist, has much more than 145,000 followers said just in. Katie Hobbs, not the governor of Arizona. So we'll have to follow that story. Another item that I saw, and I thought it was interesting, Americans don't think having a woman president is that important. Isn't that interesting? And I I guess, let me read the article. It comes by way of, who did this? American, uh, I guess it's Politico. Uh, It says, a new Pew Research study found that a relatively small number of Americans said it's important that a woman be elected president in their lifetime. Only 18% indicated that it was extremely important or very important to them that a woman president be elected. That's just under 20%. While a majority of 64% said it was not too or not at all important that the president's gender didn't matter. Uh, More Democrats tend to think it was very important to see uh, one come to fruition, 31% versus 15, 5% for Republicans. Americans also expressed significant doubts uh, that a female president would be likely within the next few decades. I, I totally disagree with that. I mean, I don't agree that h- how much it matters. I think merit has everything to do with it. If you're qualified, you're qualified. Uh, if you've got what it takes, you've got what it takes. There have been rumors speculating that Condoleezza Rice might try to make a grab, but I don't think I don't think p- people like her. I think she's all right. I mean, you know, certainly an accomplished woman. Nothing offensive about her. But you know, I mean, we've got Kamala Harris, who's literally a heartbeat away. I guess what Americans are saying is that it doesn't matter that it's a woman. It matters more if it's an accomplished person of integrity. Uh, incidentally, women voters overall supported Clinton. In 2016, but white female voters pushed Trump to victory. 
uh, reflecting a low level of importance many Americans put on having a woman president, especially in the Republican Party. Again, I think it's because people that apply common sense understand that it's not about gender, nor should it be about gender. Uh, we should not be electing people based on their skin color, uh, their gender, their religious faith, or lack thereof. Uh, their history in, in politics has a lot to do with it. Their qualifications, their accomplishments, their life service is important. Integrity. I'm just rattling off a bunch of things that I think are important. But what it comes down to at the end of the day is, does this person, regardless of their whatever, their ideology, their gender, or their lack thereof, the you know, are you going to do a good job for me as a as a president? Are you going to have my interest in mind? And that's really it. That's it should never be about anything else. This is why I think the left gets it wrong when they're out there constantly touting on the first woman president, the first this, the first that. Is a the, being a woman has it nothing to do with it. It has to do with your qualifications, whether it's a job application. Or sitting in the Oval Office. How hard is that? How complicated is that? When did it become important? I mean, it goes against everything Martin Luther King thought about. So I wrote a new article. I want you to read it on jimwatkins1.com. And I also have a new podcast up, too, that talks about the importance of black leaders in America right now. We need black leaders. We need Denzel Washingtons. We need... Uh, men, particularly father figures, to stand up. We have a the crisis right now that we have is a father crisis. You know, we hear Larry Elder talk about this, but this has been going on since going all the way back to '64, when Patrick Moynihan first uh, authored a very critical piece on the lack of fatherhoods in black family homes. He says this is only going to lead to disaster. I mean, there's something intrinsically true about the fact. Maybe it's biological, maybe it's social, maybe it's a combination of both. But when you have absent fathers, and, and, and by the way, uh, I, I've never heard anybody say this but me, but I think it's funny that right after the two Civil Rights Acts were passed, which should have opened the doors of opportunity for many young black American men, that same year the draft was underway for the uh, Vietnam War. And so many African-American men had to go to war. And then when they came back from war, they were spit on. And they were marginalized. And then the welfare uh, system set it up so that African-American men could not participate in out-of-wedlock weddings. And if they did, then the financial aid that the mothers would receive would be curtailed or eliminated altogether. And so this, this uh, started a schism which I think we're seeing the effects today. So many, it's proportionally higher number of African, uh, well, people of color, but more importantly, it's an economic thing. In, in large inner city areas, price of a, a two-bedroom is almost out of reach for most people who are barely making it. They have to have a couple of jobs. I mean, we know the scenario. So when I saw what I saw the other day, and I see it in Seattle or San Francisco or Philadelphia, when I saw the lawlessness, the first thing that came to my mind is, where are the fathers? Are there fathers? Are the fathers with them? Uh, we have a generation, maybe two generations, where the, the, the father has, is, is no longer the primary or even the equal role in the house. 
So we have a nation of young African-American men in inner cities who have not been properly taught how to behave in society by the male figure. You know, in a lot of older cultures, typically what happens is the mothers will raise the son to a certain age, and then right about puberty, the son is then handed over to the father. And then the father takes it from there. And that's where the, the rules of the road, the social conduct, how to be a man, you know, those kind of expressions. And, and, and all of that is missing now. So it's no wonder to me, it's no wonder to me that we have the situation that we have with fatherless children running the streets and lawlessness in the inner cities. Be right back. You're listening to Speaking Out America. We'll talk about the impeachment. Mark Walters is going to join me in just a moment. Talk about guns and gun rights. Stand by. And we're back. Mark Walters, big fan, Armed America Radio, which is heard throughout the country on hundreds of radio stations. He is a representative from the Second Amendment Foundation. And as you may recall, uh, earlier this week, Joe Biden appointed Vice President Kamala Harris as the new gun czar to tackle gun violence. And we know their position on that is to disarm uh, law-abiding citizens as a way of making it safer for everybody, which can have the opposite effect. And here to speak on that very issue is Mark Walters. Thanks so much for joining me on Speaking Out America. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Good. What was your first impression when you heard that Joe Biden was going to tackle gun violence? I laughed out loud. I, as I, that was my yeah. because Joe Biden has no intention of tackling gun violence. Joe Biden is attacking the rights of law-abiding citizens, and everything that he does is evidence and proof of that. Joe Biden is not interested in attacking. If you want to refer to you know, and this is where I get frustrated. You know, this term, you know, the, the gun violence. Right? We're talking about crime. Yeah. Commit violence. Criminals commit violence. And all we have to do is look at the evidence in every single Democrat city in this country where crime, violent crime, is through the roof. If Joe Biden were interested in tackling, quote unquote, gun violence, he would be in every major city. He would be funding police departments. He would be locking up criminals. He would be removing DAs that are soft on crime and not punishing anybody, not charging them. He would be against the zero bail nonsense. Joe Biden would be getting tough on criminals. Instead, Joe Biden has weaponized the Department of Justice, in particular the ATF, that is attacking law-abiding citizens, law-abiding FFL gun dealers with these nonsense zero-tolerance policy where they're putting gun dealers out of business for a, a clerical error sometimes made as long as 15 years ago. It's all nonsense, and the fact that Kamala Harris is in front of it, there's your proof right there. I, I hope she does a better job of tackling crime, which she won't because that's not what this is about, than she has the border. She hadn't even been to the border. <laughs> that tells you yeah. everything you need to know. I mean, that that's what kind of effort we're going to get here. Then it, what their agenda is is obviously very clear. They want uh, – they, the big government, government uh, complex, wants to be the one in charge. Uh, it's no – I've talked to a few people who've said that the violence that we're seeing in major cities across the country – is all part of an ultimate plan to bring in feds, bring in federal law enforcement, uh, and and just create that separation from the people and law enforcement. You know, it's interesting, uh, Mark. Uh, I've been visiting in California, 
And one thing that I've noticed, it, it's, you know, obviously very liberal state, but in some of my conversations, uh, even the liberals are arming themselves. They're, they're sort of whispering to one another, hey, you know what, I, I got a gun. And so I think that the, Repu uh, the Democrats have it wrong on this. I think citizens are afraid, women are afraid, uh, particularly middle-aged women in San Francisco who won't go out at night, places in L.A. Are you seeing on your end more and more private citizens actually buying guns? Absolutely. Gun ownership is at record highs. And when you point out women, you just you pointed to one of the two fastest growing demographics in gun ownership, and that's black Americans and women, minorities of, of all minorities, but in particular, black Americans are buying more guns because they tend more to live concentrated in the inner cities where crime is through the roof. And we're seeing this across the board. And you talk about being in California. My condolences, by the way. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Last time I was there in October, uh, last October, I felt like I needed a passport to enter that state. It's ridiculous. And a mask. But <laughs> they're warning residents not to wear a watch outside, not to bring their jewelry on. I mean, this isn't America, right? You want to, you want to, Beverly Hills, I mean, businesses are leaving Beverly Hills like crazy. Rodeo Drive is cleaning out. Uh, crime is through the roof in these cities. And the people that live in these cities are well aware of that. They're the ones that are facing this onslaught of crime. We just saw what happened in Philadelphia just a couple of days ago with these mobs, you know, busting into stores and looting with, with yeah. impunity because they can play with it. Um, yeah, it's the liberal cities right now. Uh, you, know, you, you can kind of make a, a juxtaposition. You look at the sanctuary city policies, for example. You know, we're a welcoming city until they have to start welcoming all of the illegal immigrants. Now Adams in New York is going through the roof because it can't sustain the city. It's going to destroy the city. Every policy that you look at that they espouse is what is causing the cities to crumble. I, I, I covered Chicago for years, tens of thousands of murders in Chicago over 15 years on the radio. And not a damn thing gets done about it because they don't want anything done about it. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, Trump offered Mayor Lori Lightfoot a federal assistance to go in and help her with crime. And she said absolutely not because she didn't want to give Trump any credit for reducing crime in Chicago. It, this is not about reducing crime. This is about a political agenda. And their political agenda is to disarm all Americans. And we just saw that happen in New Mexico with New Mexico Governor Grisham, who wiped out the Second Amendment violated her own oath, which she said isn't absolute, violated the Constitution, and remarkably, in what I think is the biggest story I've covered in 20-some years of doing this, was you had three Democrats, one the sheriff in Albuquerque, say, yeah, no, I'm not going to enforce that. It's unconstitutional and a violation of my oath. You saw the Albuquerque DA said, yeah, well, we're not prosecuting anything because it's a violation of constitutional principles and the New Mexico state constitution. And you saw this, the uh, attorney general of the state, also a Democrat, come out and say, yeah, no, not going to happen. I'm not going to defend you in the lawsuits that are coming at you because you, what you've done is a violation of the New Mexico constitution and the U.S. constitution. And where my office would normally be charged with defending you, we're not going to do that. So it was a remarkable turn of events all of them being Democrats, all of them made the argument that I've been making on the nation's airwaves for 15 years. And the mainstream media, silent. The professional gun grabber groups, silent. Democrats at the top on Capitol Hill, silent. A lot of people think it was a trial balloon, but I'm not convinced of that. I'm not going to get conspiratorial on that. I don't think she was in touch with, uh, the, with the White House or uh, Democrats in Congress. I think she just you know, emboldened by what she was able to get away with with COVID a couple of years ago. She thought, oh, I'll do this too, and everybody will fall in line like the sheep that they are. And they didn't. 
yeah. and the Democrats got backed upside the head with a copy of the Constitution and saw what would happen. And the 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 backlash was swift and it was harsh. And you know, Americans are not going to put up with this. And that's the good news out of all of this is that she thought she could get away with it, and uh, the backlash came from both sides, not just what they describe as hard, hard right Republicans. Uh, this week, Gavin Newsom, California's governor, said that he is announcing an 11 percent sales tax on all, all right. firearms. Uh, your take on this? What is he trying to do here? Well, D Gavin Newsom is trying to wipe out private firearm ownership in the state of California, and he's got a plan to do that nationwide with that goofy 28th Amendment that he's proposed that stands absolutely zero chance of passage. But Gavin Newsom is an opportunist. He's a Democrat. He's a gun hater. And he's doing what all gun haters and opportunist Democrats do, grandstanding and trying to, you know, what, what we refer to this as is a Bruin backlash. This is a Bruin temp temper tantrum. And by Bruin, I mean the latest Supreme Court action uh, that was uh, released by the Supreme Court in June of June 23rd of 2022, which wiped out New York State's unconstitutional carry policies where he had to show good cause in order to exercise a constitutional right. That got smacked down hard, and the Democrats are going nuts. Even worse than the 11% tax that he put on, in addition to the federal taxes that are already on firearms and ammunition, was he put in a background check on ammunition, which will do nothing. Criminals don't buy their ammo. They steal their ammo. They steal their guns. They're not going to pay any taxes. Grisham herself, when asked by a reporter, remarkably, do you believe, honestly, that criminals are going to stop carrying guns and committing crimes during your 30-day moratorium? And here was her response, quote, unquote, verbatim. Ah, uh, no. So even they know it. But what Gavin Newsom did, even worse than all of that, was great, literally let us know where he decided to mark all public places off limits. He added 26 public places off limits for lawful concealed carry. And all of those public places mean it's virtually impossible to carry a gun legally in California, anywhere outside your front door. These will be challenged. They will lose. We will win. Americans will not put up with this. We have a constitutional right to bear arms, and they know it. Mark Walters from uh, uh, Armed America Radio, also a representative of the Second Amendment Foundation. How can we listen to your show, and what is your website? Yeah, armedamericanradio.com. Just click Listen Live. Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 Eastern, 1 to 3 Pacific, and Sundays, 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern, 5 to 8 Pacific. Two buttons, you can listen live to both shows right on the right on the site. Man, it sounds like a good show. Mark Walters, this is your debut on Speaking Out America. I hope you'll be back soon. Thanks again for stopping Absolutely. by. Absolutely. Yep. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll talk to you again soon. Mark Walters, ladies and gentlemen. Jim Watkins will continue Speaking Out America. Let's talk about the impeachment inquiry today. Get your thoughts, too. Stand, stand by. Welcome back to Speaking Out America. Don't forget, we are here for you Monday through Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. and then again 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. It's always good to have you stop by on CRN1 and CRNTalk.com is where we're located, CRNTalk.com. Uh, I'm also available on, if you, if you have an Android and you have Alexa, you can just call me up anytime. I, I respond to voice commands. All you have to do is say, hey, Alexa. Play Speaking Out America with Jim Watkins podcast. 
And then if you have a smart speaker, within seconds you'll be hearing my voice. Isn't that just wonderful? Isn't that just great? So it's there. And also you can you can text pound 250 and uh, you'll get a text asking if you would like the CRN Talk app to be loaded on your phone. And then you can listen to one of six channels. You can We've got literally more than a few dozen fantastic talk shows. Everybody from Dennis Prager to Charlie Kirk to me to, of course, Mike Horn and What's Cooking and the conversation with Eric Early. So uh, observations about the uh, hearings, the impeachment inquiry. Right now they're just doing the inquiry to see if there's enough evidence to proceed with impeachment procedures which would be an attempt to do what they did, the Democrats did with the J6. They would just impeach Biden. Uh, as far as I know, impeachment doesn't get you out of office, but it sure makes it hard for you to win another election. That will hold true for Trump as it would for Biden. And what they're doing now is looking at, well, let's let Doug Bergstrom explain it, because Doug, I think, had a hit piece on Newsmax this morning, and he explained why this impeachment inquiry is important. So take a look at the presidential candidate or one of the Republican nominees, uh, Doug Bergstrom from North Dakota. How do you think the GOP will do this first hearing today with the witnesses they have selected to lay the groundwork? Well, first of all, Bianca, I think this is important work and it's important for the American people to get to the bottom of this. The, the evidence that points towards influence peddling uh, from President Biden, when he was vice president, is really shocking uh, and alarming. And of course, uh, coming from my 30 years of experience in the private sector before I became governor, uh, as a if you were an officer, a chairman, a CEO, a board member of a public company, and you were trying to benefit your own self, your own personal product, your own family, with payments related to the brand of your company, uh, you know, of course, uh, you'd be tossed out. You'd be tossed out immediately. That'd be front page news in the Wall Street Journal and every other thing because it's absolutely illegal for someone to do that. So we have to hold our public officials at least to the standards that we hold people to in the private sector. I mean, this is this is absurd. Uh, Raskin, a lot of the Democrats, predictably, they came out and they said this is all political. And I, and I want to address that because it, it, in normal circumstances, I might agree, oh, this is just political. But think about this. The IRS, the, the Justice Department, they all drug, dra drag their feet on this. They tried to delay everything with Hunter Biden. And let, let us not forget there were 51 intelligence agents directors or former directors who swore on a stack of Bibles and signed a letter, which to me is the, almost the same thing, saying that the Hunter Biden laptop, which was the source of all of this, much of this stuff, uh, much of this investigation, they swore and signed a letter saying that this was nothing more than Russian disinformation. And they dragged their feet. And again, you know, we, we know that evidence here of Hunter Biden going around the world and profiting off of, off of the brand, the Biden brand. So it's, it's so disingenuous, in my opinion, for the Democrats to come out in unison and say that this is all political. It's like the pot calling the kettle black. Uh, and it's just not... It's, here, here are some of the impeachment highlights from... Again, now it's predictable from the right. You know? there, But the difference here is that Biden has gone public, Joe Biden, saying, first of all, that he had nothing to do with his son's business dealings. 
But then second of all, he did actually do what Son Hunter wanted him to do, make the phone calls, make his presence known, meet with people. So Hunter Biden goes around the world and allegedly is currying all this uh, favor, like, hey, if you, they don't say it outright, but they, they insinuate, hey, you know, it's important to have the right people behind you. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Oh, look who's on the phone. Hey, Dad, what's going on? Hi, hi, Hunter. Who are you sitting there with today? Oh, all right. Well, great. You know, anytime they're in Washington, have them come by. I'd love to shake hands with them. And then months later, checks start arriving. We don't know what the checks are for, but that's what we're trying to find out. Here's a little highlight of some of the moments you missed on the impeachment hearings. Let's be clear. There was no wall. The door was wide open to those who purchased what a business associate described as the Biden brand. In the search warrant examining Hunter Biden's electronic communications, they weren't allowed to ask about political figure one. Political figure number one is the big guy, is Joe Biden. The Biden family sold access to Joe Biden's power, and the Biden Justice Department protected the Biden brand. We must continue to follow the facts. Now, I know that on MSNBC they're going to play, uh, and they have been playing all day, the Democrats saying that this is all a farce and nothing more than a political witch hunt to keep Biden out of office, which sounds remarkably just like what the Republicans were saying about Trump. So all of that is predictable. And it's, it's meant to confuse the audience. But here's my, my gripe, is that the, 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 most of the mainstream completely avoided the whole Biden scandal until it was impossible to do so. So for the average American not clued in and not watching all their favorite 24 hours a day news channels, uh, they weren't really taking it seriously until the Democrats or the mainstream media started talking about it. But by then, there had been so much information that they were not told. They were not told about the Chinese connections with CEFC, which, by the way, just sent a couple hundred thousand to Joe Biden's address in Delaware. Of course, it was addressed to his uh, hunter, but why was it going to Joe's house? Then we have the IRS testimony, the whistleblowers. We have the bank records showing money being transferred to all these shell companies that ultimately lead to the Biden family. Nancy Mace made her point clear. But here's an interchange between, do we have this? This is, I believe it's Representative Westerman, who is talking to an attorney, Jonathan Turley, one of the witnesses they brought before the, the inquiry today. It's about three minutes long, but it perfect, perfectly encapsulates, I think, why this is so important to the American people. Look at Senator Menendez's latest indictment. There's no tolerance for putting yourself before your constituents, unless it seems your last name is Biden. Um, I applaud my Democrat colleagues who've asked Senator Menendez to resign, but we know how that ends. There'll be a new Democrat to replace him, no political risk. Um, but here we're talking about the presidency. Um, if, if the response is, well, Hunter Biden wasn't an elected politician, I have to know just what was President, what was Hunter Biden selling. We can't become numb, numb to these facts. These, the allegations are extraordinary. In fact, I'm not aware of these type of allegations where we have a sitting president accused of bribery, accused of taking payments, whether it be directly or through his family. And these are not empty allegations. We continue to have evidence. Just look at what's come in just the past couple of days. Is President Biden compromised? It's particularly relevant because of um, 
the, the interaction between our country and Ukraine, interaction between our country, country and China. It doesn't look good, and the facts demand we continue to investigate. Mr. Turley, I want you to, I want you to really discuss how historic this really is. What do you think is the most? What, what do you think is the most concerning piece of evidence that you heard of today? I think the most concerning, obviously, you have to start with the bribery allegation that was the subject of the uh, FD uh, 1023. Now, I, I say in the testimony that you have to only take that so far because you don't, you have a lot of information about sec a secondhand account. But when you put it into the context of this labyrinth of accounts and companies used to, sh to transfer money, and you have the statements of Hunter Biden, that's what makes this a credible inquiry. And the question is, did the president know? Did he encourage this type of corruption? And the, the key here, once again, which is what I stress in the testimony, is you have to begin with a recognition that what Hunter Biden and his associates were doing was corrupt. That's what influence peddling is. It's a, it's a form of corruption that our country globally has combated. Now the only question is for an inquiry is whether that body of corruption, which it is, also encompass the actions or the knowledge of the President of the United States. The only way you will be able to get that information is to follow this evidence. And what I suggest is you do so uh, without any prejudice, you do so without any assumptions. In fact, I hope that the president will be able to show that there is no such nexus. Uh, but you won't get those answers until you ask these questions. You know, Jonathan Turley often writes, he's a prolific writer, very good attorney, good, good legal mind, explains things well. And I think in this situation, he brought up a very good point, uh, as did the congressman, who was asking the question, which is, you know, look at what's happening with Menendez. Look at how swiftly that case is moving through the courts. Think of how quickly uh, Congress is responding. But in essence and in nature, if Menendez did what he is being charged with, it's the same thing that Biden is being investigated for. And I'm talking about Joe Biden. Peddling influence, taking bribes. The way that the Justice Department is dealing with Menendez should have been the way that they were dealing with Hunter. See you back here on Monday. Join me on my website, jimwatkins1.com. Thanks for stopping by.